Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we celebrated Trinity Sunday, and it's on that Sunday that actually begins for us the longest liturgical season that we have called Trinity Tide, which runs all the way from Trinity Sunday all the way to the beginning of Advent. Again, it's the longest season that we're given. And up to this point in the liturgical calendar, we have both celebrated and remembered the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ at every stage, from His conception, to His birth, to His life and ministry, to His death, His resurrection, through His ascension, and ultimately to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. And when we come to Trinity Tide, we just shift slightly. Because if all of that was about the active ministry of God in the person of Jesus Christ, then Trinity is the season that we remember and celebrate and grow in the active ministry of Jesus Christ in and through His church. For He desires to manifest God the Father in and through us. So we learn how it is to live as Christians in this world and in Christ's holy church. And here on the first week of Trinity Tide, we have the same scriptures, same mass every year. And on this first week of Trinity Tide, it's as if Christ through his church is setting down the entire foundation for Christianity. The entire foundation of how we live, how we are saved and how others are saved. Because the message, when you listen to the introit, the prayers, when you listen to the, the epistle of 1 John from the Apostle John, it is the message of the call to love, for we have become like God who is love. That's the message of Trinity 1. I'm going to show you what I mean. I'm going to take you through 1 John chapter 4, the epistle reading for today, in little snippets. And remind us of what some of these things mean, for they're ultimately important to Christianity and to our lives and to our salvation. The Apostle John in 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The foundation of Christianity is who God is. Why? Because we were created from the very beginning to become like Him. And what is His nature? The Apostle John says, God is love, therefore church, become love and love one another. In, in verse 10, the Apostle teaches, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought also to love one another. What's he saying? God demonstrated His love in the person of Jesus Christ, offering Himself for His beloved bride. Those who would become his church, offering himself for the forgiveness, the propitiation, the covering of their sins. Therefore, we live as such to one another. 
It's echoed by St. Paul in one of his epistles when St. Paul says, Be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. What the Apostle is teaching us is this. Our response to being loved, our response to salvation, our response is giving what we've received. One to another and offered back to God. In verse 12, the Apostle says this. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. That is, He makes us His home. He makes us His dwelling place. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we also abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. The Apostle is using the language of the Incarnation. Think about it. Before our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, took on flesh, no one had seen God at any time. What was the purpose of the Incarnation? To make visible the reality of the nature of God. So that God through flesh, the flesh and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, would manifest Himself to this world so that this world could see who God really is and prayerfully be moved to Him. You see, the same truth is in the church. Incarnationally, no one sees God. But God has filled His church by the Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ that we become like Him. And as we love, who do they see? Who is manifest to them when we love? And they see our love for one another and they see our love for those outside of the ark of salvation. It manifests God in no less a way as was manifest through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 17, the Apostle says, Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Why is it that we've been given grace by the Holy Spirit, filled by God Himself to become loved? The Apostle says one of those reasons, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Boldness before the day of judgment. Not arrogance. Always remember the difference. Boldness. Why? Why can we have boldness as becoming like God? Because we have taken that great gift of God that we have been given. Himself by the Holy Spirit. The grace, the power of God for our lives to be transformed. From not only image but becoming His likeness. That we live as Him in such a way. We become like Him and that we have cooperated with that great gift of God that we have been given to our originally purposed end by God, which is to become just like Him. As the Apostle says, as He is, so are we in this world. And this truth about standing before the day of judgment comes very clear when it comes to love in the gospel reading that we have today. For our Lord Jesus Christ gives a parable that is both a great exhortation and a blessed warning of love to all. For we have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus given to us today. If we remember that parable, 
Lazarus is a is one who had sores all over his body. He suffered every day of his life and he spent his time suffering right outside the gate of this rich man's house. This was his life. And every day that rich man who had all of the comforts of this world, all the material could offer every day he would pass by Lazarus going out of his gate, going back into his house. But never would he do anything to ease the suffering of Lazarus. Why? Because he had no love. And because he had no love, there was no flow of compassion that came from him that would act on Lazarus' behalf to ease his suffering. And Jesus says they both died. Lazarus and the rich man died. And each inherit extremes. Lazarus, who suffered his entire life in body and in this world, he is blessed with the extreme of the eternal peace wrapped up into the arms of God called the bosom of Abraham. He receives comfort for all eternity. But the rich man doesn't. He had all of the comforts of this world. He lived in luxury. He had it all. But when he inherited eternity, it was an eternity of separatedness from God, which was a torture to him. He inherited the opposite. Why? Because he had not love. And he had not demonstrated the love. This is exactly why we are encouraged today that we have been given the grace of God without which love would not be possible. But because we've been given that great gift, we are called to become love. So why is it that those who become love have boldness before the throne of judgment? Before the judgment seat, as the apostle says, St. Bede has an answer to this question. And he gives a long story, but I'll summarize it for you. He says this. When Christians are young in their faith, when they're immature, they tend to have more fear about facing the judgment day. But for those who grow to maturity in Christ, they are growing to know Him. And they are growing to become Him all along the way of life. And as they become like Him, and as they grow in the knowledge of Him, the fear diminishes and they look forward to the coming of the One who is the desire of all nations. And so we grow in love so that we have this peaceful boldness before the judgment seat. And I offer this in closing to you. The last statement I'll give you from the Apostle John. We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him only because He first loved us. It is impossible for us to become love and demonstrate the love of God unless first we have become recipients those who experience the love of God truly into our own lives. And make no mistake, if we're honest about ourselves, every one of us has inhibitors to receiving the love of God so blatantly, profoundly, and openly into our lives. There are things in us that keep us from that blessed and full experience. In some ways, it could be the way that we see ourselves. 
the perception of our unworthiness. In other ways, it's because of things that have happened to us at the hand of others in this life. Suffering that occurs in this life skews our view of who God is and the less recipients of love we become. Because you see, it's a true statement. It's a true statement to say, I am not worthy of the love of God. I do not deserve the love that God wants to so lavish upon me. That's a true statement. It's what we do with it. It's how we deal with that truth. Because in many ways, sometimes we fall into the twist, the deception of Satan. Because what Satan would have us do with that is you're unworthy, therefore you cannot receive the love of God. And so we walk through this life engaged in that deception. But the Christian reality is this. I am not worthy. I do not deserve. I can never earn such love coming towards me. But thanks be to God and I am filled with joy that this God reaches beyond my lack of worth and makes me like Him. And He changes me and He desires to pour Himself into me despite my unworthiness. This is the love of God. I have a suggestion for you, a bit of a prescription. As, you leave, as we leave from here today, I pray that you will ask yourselves, no, ask God prayerfully a question. What is it in me? What is it in me that is an inhibitor to my experiencing and receiving the fullness of who you are? All of your love. What is in me? Is it something that I do that keeps me distracted? Is it shame? Is that the problem? Is it damage done by the hand of someone else? Is that the issue where I don't see you clearly? What is the inhibitor, Lord, to my receiving love? Because I promise you this. When those inhibitors to receiving the love of God are cast down by the healing power of Almighty God, we receive the love of God in a way that we cannot escape and we can only long for more. And it changes us and it transforms us to become the agape love of God. And that is Christianity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.